0: Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 389 of Longbox Heroes. Todd and Joe joining you here today. Todd, how are you? I'm doing great, closing in on 400, Joe. That's right. Numbers don't mean anything unless it's our numbers and the number of podcasts that we've done. That's right. And the amount of
0: money in our accounts.
1: Right. And let's get into, if we combine the, uh, we're almost at like, well, it's a little bit further away, but, uh, like this week's After Dark is going to be like 170 something. hmm So, wow. you know, doing two podcasts a week for, I don't know. What are your, what are your gazintas on 172?
0: Uh, that's a lot. But,
1: yeah. So, for like, for um, the better part of the last three years, we've been doing two podcasts a week.
0: Mm-hmm. Those
1: podcasts add up. You know, we're going to be close to doing like 500 episodes of, a, of podcasts.
0: That's a lot of podcasts. That's, and, that's too and much. And I just want to, I just want to say, I played Powerball and, uh, Mega Millions to, This week, so that's Tuesday and Wednesday they come on, that they do. One is 200 and some million, one is 300 and some million. If I'm the sole winner, Joe, of either one, this, as I always say, I am going to just cash in those, that, that ticket. I'm going to pay off all my debt and all your debt. Oh! Now, I'm saying at 300, 200 million dollars, I can do that. I'm going to pay off your debt, pay off my debt. I'm going to get us both. Uh, health insurance, really good health insurance, and then this podcast's going uptown, Joe. <laughs> it's going uptown. We are going to do, do this professionally. Like we don't, they, we're not going to half, you know, do this. We're going to professionally do this. We're going to get a sound man. Oh. We're going. Oh, it's going to be great.
1: Now, see, I want to say I have two things. I swear we're going to get to the show. I promise. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it's a light week, so we can kind of uh, mess around here up front. Uh right. I actually have similar fantasies when it comes to winning the lottery that I always say that if I had that money, you know, that lottery money, that big cash payout, whatever it is, um I wouldn't be like the thought hasn't gone as elaborate as your thought has gone with it, but I always mm-hmm. say that I would put you and me technically on salary for doing the podcast. That's basically what I mean. Right. Like I'm in the dumbed down version of it. But you're having us hiring people It's like, oh, it sounds like so much extra work vetting health insurance companies. Oh, boy. No,
0: no, just health insurance for us.
1: Oh, okay. Not for everybody else. Well, you get what I'm saying. Not for the rest of the network, you mean.
0: Oh, dear God, no.
1: We're, We're chucking all those people in the dust. We're jettisoning them? Oh, like into the vastness of space. Oh, my goodness. I love everyone on the network, even those of you who haven't done shows in a year plus. But, oh, this, yeah. the problem with me with the lottery is, is a joke, uh, it's an old joke, <laughs> of course, it's a joke that I've heard Gilbert Gottfried tell, and I'm not gonna do the stereotypical racist voices that he does when telling this joke, mm-hmm. but it's about a guy who every day, before he goes to bed, he prays, God, I things are so rough, my family, you know, this person's sick and that person's this, Please let me win the lottery. It would just make everything in my life so much better. And every day, every night before he goes to bed, he prays to God for him to win the lottery. And then every morning when he hasn't won the lottery, he curses God. God, why haven't you let me win the lottery? And then he goes to bed. It's a never-ending cycle. And then all of a sudden, Todd, one day the heavens open up. The sky parts. And God comes down and says, You know... For you to win the lottery, you actually have to buy a ticket.
0: <laughs> yep. That's, so. How many tickets in you That's my have you relationship
1: bought? with the lottery.
0: Oh, zero tickets, huh? Zero. See, I only play when it gets to two and three hundred million. That way, I can cover all our debts. You know right, because I
1: mean? usually that's when nobody else plays.
0: <laughs> that's right. Then they're like, "Oh, uh, there's so you know nobody's playing that. I'm not going to win it."
1: Well, I hope you take a chance on what we have on the show for you this week, listeners.
0: Oh, ho ho ho!
1: <laughs> See, all the money. We already have a scriptwriter, Todd. Why do we need <laughs> other people on the payroll?
0: We, yeah, our, and the scriptwriters are all good comedians. We just steal their stuff.
1: That's right. Uh, lots of DC stuff in the news. Uh, speculation from last week coming to fruition. Uh, more Superman stuff. And the announcement of a project that I think has been in the works literally for dozens of years.
0: Ooh, dozens.
1: Uh, convention news, uh, digital sales and freebies, and quite possibly information about the most important digital sale in the history of digital sales. Wow, big news. No hyperbole there. None. Uh, What we read from this past week, which was The Fix number 11 and Batman number 42, Uh, what we're looking forward to coming out this week, uh, Todd's Art Attack, uh, It in the Mailbag, and then TV Talk with The Flash from last week, (laughs) Legends of Tomorrow from Mm -hmm. just this past Monday, and Jessica Jones' discussion. Now, I know Todd and I haven't watched the whole thing. I think we've both watched exactly half or thereabouts.
0: Right, I found out I watched one extra episode.
1: Okay, so we'll tread lightly there, but just kind of our initial feelings on the first half. But let's get into the news before we get into anything else. hmm So last week we talked about DC with all of their different publishing in initiatives and all these different things of, like, here's going to be a Neil Gaiman thing, here's going to be a Brian Michael Bendis thing, here are these kids' lines and all this other stuff. And one of them that we talked about was kind of going to be like a uh a, like an elseworldsy sort of thing but actually what it ends up being is something that's going to be called black label a creator driven line where it's going to be creators essentially doing whatever project they want to do out of continuity so not really elseworlds but if we can't get let's say Brian Azzarello and Lee Brahamo on a full-time Batman book, but they have a Batman story to tell. This is where you could do it. Kelly Sue DeConnick, who I don't think has done anything at the big two in many, many years. She has a wonder woman story to tell. This is where she'll get to do it. Mm -hmm. And that sort of thing.
0: Right. I really think the, this idea kicked off a lot Mm -hmm. from like Tom King, literally doing miracle, uh, Mr. Miracle, and doing like, uh, what was the other one? Omega Men? Cause like, I read, I don't, did you ever read Omega Men?
1: I own Omega Men, but I never got a chance to read it.
0: Alright, because I, even in New 52, I don't know where that fit in. Um, so it just seems like he was doing his own thing and they're like, Hey, this seems to work. This seems to sell if they're done really well and they don't have to be in continuity. We'll just name it under the black label or whatever, and be more maybe adult than not, you know what I mean? Not adult, like X rated, but with a mature themes, a la green arrow during the grell run early on when that was suggested for mature readers and boom, there you go. Like, you know, and Bob's your uncle, I think it's a great idea.
1: Right. And, uh, you know, we mentioned about the Kelly Sue DeConnick Wonder Woman thing. I think there's going to be another Greg Rucka uh, Wonder Woman thing, which all, always goes mm-hmm. well. And then John Ridley, who was the uh, screenwriter of 12 Years a Slave, which I think won the Oscar last year, or the year be- uh, two years ago, two years ago, is going to be think... doing a book called The Other History of the DC Universe. And again, these are projects that don't typically fit into the main DC universe, the main publishing mm-hmm. arm, but these are prestige projects, and this is a way to get those sort of things out. Right. Uh, so, yeah, again, I'm glad that it has uh, a name. I'm glad that they have some announcements and all those sort of things. Now, the one thing that I'm... <laughs> and again, I say, did, did you miss one project? Well, that's the one I was getting to.
0: Oh, look at me knowing where you're going. Well,
1: there's two that I didn't mention. There's the Scott Snyder uh, Batman one. Right. Uh, Him and Greg Capullo, of course, doing another one. But the other one is the Superman year one by Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. Right. Okay. Let's get into this because this is the one I wanted to talk about. Let's get into this. Mm Mm-hmm. I like John Romita Jr.'s art. A lot, actually. I think, you know, uh, I kind of remember fondly his art on runs like The Punisher and Spider-Man and all sorts of different things, uh, that he's done, that uh, X-Men stuff that he's done that I really think has a kind of an iconic comic book look for better or for worse.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh Frank Miller is one of the best writers, I think, or at least one of the most cachet writers. And I was actually having a conversation about Frank Miller this past weekend with someone where they had lamented that, like, oh, I've never read anything by Frank Miller. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think he's written anything good in the last 30 years.
0: See, I just had a conversation about that, too, with someone.
1: Right. And oh, this is not in my discussion of fandom of... John Romita Jr. or whatever my feelings may be on Frank Miller as a writer. Um, but it's more so of, do we need another Superman origin story? Uh, That's where I come down on it. And yes, it's, it's separate. I'm sure it's a great story that DC is deciding to publish. But it seems well, as though we get a Superman origin story every four years.
0: Every four?
1: I, I'm, I being think get... I'm being generous. I'm being generous.
0: I think we get him more than that. Okay, here's my take on it. Go ahead. John John Romita Jr., I haven't really liked John Romita Jr.'s art since he left Iron Man being inked by Bob Layton, but that's me. I always think he has like weird wonky big thick sausage fingers and I'm not a fan. Um uh so that's that. And then Frank Miller like other than I was discussing this at the shop with with Tom and I was like I look at Frank Miller and I go. I, Frank Miller's living off four four projects that I think only three are really good, and one is is kind of the, the test of time doesn't doesn't do it well. It hasn't stood the test of time. He, his Frank, his Batman Year One is amazing. His Sin City first half amazing. His uh, Daredevil. All right, I hear great things about it. I didn't read it till later, so looking back, like reading it in 2000, does not have the same effect as reading it in the 1980s. I get that. Mm-hmm. So he was ahead of the curve, but I had seen it all. And as far as I'm concerned, *The Dark Knight Returns* does not hold up as well as people remember I I, I may have to reread it, but even I even remember in the 80s his punk stuff not being being cliche in the 80s. So I can imagine it's not it hasn't gotten much better and the political ronald reagan stuff and all that with superman i don't know but i do not think he's the writer for superman i don't think he ever wrote superman well as far as i was concerned so i that's where i have the problem is i just don't think frank miller's the i always just think he had a disdain for him almost like he's the opposite of garth ennis when it comes to superman with with uh superheroes it's like garth ennis hates everybody but Superman and Frank Miller just doesn't l- like everybody but Superman. I just don't think he's ever gotten him right anytime I've read him. That's now, my hot take on okay show. Uh,
1: I think Batman year one is maybe one of the best comic book stories, let alone Batman stories of all time right maybe the, best, maybe the best comic book story of all time. who knows right wasn't besmirching that but right. Dark Knight Returns, I think you're giving it a little bit of a raw deal, but if we can agree that Batman Year One is a 10, mm-hmm. and we can agree that, uh, let's say, Watchmen is a 9.5. Mm,
0: Watchmen's more of a 10 for me than uh, Batman Year One, but go ahead.
1: Now, the reason I say Watchmen is a 9.5 is the same reason that I say Dark Knight Returns is a seven with an asterisk. Interesting. Whereas I say it's a seven with an asterisk because I think it's probably the best Frank Miller's art has ever looked. Yes,
0: okay, I'll give you that.
1: Okay, I definitely think that what he wrote in there changed the way that we as a society think about Batman and what Batman can be. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And has changed it for the better part of the last, you know, 30 plus years. Um, But at its core is a very flimsy story that Mm -hmm. literally dozens of people have done better since.
0: Right. And like you said, I'd like to reread it. You know what I mean? Like, honestly. I think
1: the last time that I read it was maybe about five or six years ago. And... I know you said about, like, a lot of the Reagan stuff and a lot of the 80s stuff and a lot of the punk stuff, I think probably read a lot better at the time, Mm -hmm. and it seems reading it now is like a weird time capsule, and it kind of sets things apart, and then, like, you've got, like, Dr. Ruth references and David Letterman references that a kid today is going to have no clue what that means very dated at times. Right. That's the biggest problem with it is it's dated and it's very much of its time, even though it was trying to be a futuristic tale, but whatever. Um, I do like specifically, as you'd mentioned how he doesn't get Superman. He doesn't. That is the closest he gets to Superman, especially if you go back and read the scene where Superman and Ronald Reagan are talking. Mm -hmm. I think he gets Superman there. But I don't think he gets the action part of Superman. Right. I think he gets,
0: he thinks Superman is like a tool of the government somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I Like I said, I'd like to reread it, but I just think he he equates him with like the man in a weird way.
1: Right. That being said, my, my objection to the story is less Frank Miller or John Romita. It's more that we, enough with Superman's origin, I say.
0: Fair enough. I just have weirder, stronger, uh, take on it.
1: (laughs) Now, another DC thing, speaking of Superman, is I forgot to mention last week, because this is one that always slips through, and I need to write myself, like, a little note for this, but South by Southwest, which is kind of like a movie, kind of art sort of thing, like movie and music and TV and all sorts of stuff, and Mm -hmm. comics have kind of been trickling into that over the last four or five years. I actually remember, uh about five years ago they did some sort of deal with comiXology there where that was like the first real big push of digital comics and they broke the site
2: Mm -hmm.
1: because they announced it South by Southwest they had this code and all this other jazz but DC had a presence there Bendis was there talking about the Superman stuff and if you uh, attended the panel (laughs) that they were talking about it one of the, the takeaways that they gave to you was a pair of Red boxer briefs with the hashtag, the trunks are back on the back. Yes. Uh Which, again, I think is, you know, some very fun uh, merchandising, publicity, what have you, about this upcoming Superman stuff.
0: Right which is something I also had a conversation with at the comic shop with Tom and it kind of it find it interesting it's like I'm really starting to amp up for this superman thing yes um like we have uh, action 999 coming out this week and then uh 1000s up the road ahead bendis has announced that like I've I've you know I've scripted the uh, the I've written the issue of Action 1001, yes, that's right, Action 1001, so it looks like I don't think they're renumbering it, I'm not 100% sure on that, but you have that, and then you have that Man of Steel miniseries where they're talking about, like, Adam Hughes doing an issue, Kevin McGuire doing an issue, like, we're going to have big artists on this, like, the more they've hinted at a, a Wonder, uh, not a Wonder Woman, a, a Lois Lane book, maybe. I'm like, like Bendis is all in on this Superman, which is him being excited about it and having big time artists like out of the gate. I'm pumped for it, and to have Superman possibly firing on all cylinders at DC while Tom King is doing Batman firing on all cylinders, I think that is the top of the pyramid that makes everything better at DC. And I expect big things for DC in the
1: future. We've talked about this before, that in a perfect world, the number one selling comics at Marvel should be like Spider-Man, which it is, and some other, like a Fantastic Four book, an Avengers book, something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, those should be your number one and your number two. Doesn't matter, like, who's first, who's second, but there you go. There's your top of the chain. You know, Mm -hmm. obviously in more recent years with the the movie universe, Avengers is that spot. But again, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four. There's your one, there's your two. At DC, it should be Superman, Batman, one and two. Mm -hmm. You want to flip-flop those, and Superman has not been to the top of the charts in a very long time. Right. Batman has. Batman has had that stranglehold on the top of the DC charts, both in sales and quality. And obviously the two are not uh, related to each other, but they technically are because, you know, we've talked about this so many times in regards to sales, just because a guy's name is on the book, it's going to sell X amount of things, whether it's good or bad. Obviously, if it's good, it's going to sell that much more. And I would say consistently for the better part of the last seven years, Batman has been good.
0: I would argue with you that, but I'll give you the last. I'll give you a rebirth. I think Batman I, I, on Snyder it was the first, maybe twenty issues. Okay. And then after that, I was I I was not a
1: fan. Right, and and that's the thing. Quality, of course, you know, your mileage may vary, but it was the number one selling DC book for the last I, seven years.
0: Right, I will totally give that
1: yes. Right, and I'm uh, Superman should have been the number two selling book, and it wasn't. Right. This is the chance for Superman to now be the number one selling book. Yes. And I'm all about DC giving that book its full attention. Batman is its own machine. You do not need to maintain it. You do not need to publicize it. It's been running successfully, as mentioned, for the last seven years. Let it keep doing what it's doing. Take some of that attention away. Let's build someone else up. So now we've got essentially two top tier books once we get superman up and the machine is running and it's sustaining and all the cylinders are firing let's grab somebody else and bring them back and bring that back up and now you've got three books in that top tier because you know even at marvel or dc or whatever over the last several years we talk about spider-man being the top book and then sales numbers big steep to the number two book dc Mm -hmm. batman's the number one book yeah, it's a dip to the number two book, not as steep as a dip over at Marvel, but again, a dip. If we could build, by we I mean DC, who obviously we work for because we're on the payroll,
2: <laughs> if they
1: could build one of their big franchises, Superman, up to those same numbers as Batman, that's huge. It is. If they can get it to stay there, that's even bigger. Right. Because, you know, one obviously, is going to do big numbers. Yep. Even at the Just high on price... The- even at the high price point, even at whatever, the multiple covers, all the gimmicks, all the flu, yep. flim flam and hooey.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's going to be a big selling book. It'll probably be the number one book for the month of April. Yep. The DC Nation, that's a 25 cent book, which is going to be the first, you know, it's going to be the launching of Vendis on Man of Steel and all the other stuff for the DC Universe going forward in 2018. That's probably going to be the biggest selling book. Also, the fact that it's only a quarter. That's number two. Now, number three, you got Man of Steel. You got that weekly series that's coming out let's see how those six or the, let's see how those six issues go let's see how those first issues of superman and action comics under bendis after the miniseries after the dc nation after the action comics 1000 and then let's see how those numbers sustain after three months after six months after a year right we won't know if this bendis thing is a success until next august that's when right. we'll know for sure if this was a success,
0: unless it goes right off the rails from the well, beginning.
1: Well, and that's oh, right, and there's a chance it could go completely off the rails from Jump Street. I don't think it's gonna, but right. anything can happen in the world of professional comic books.
0: <laughs> that is true, because you never know. He might have like cheeseburger eating Superman, and they'd be like, "I'm out." Mm-hmm. You know the cover I'm talking about, right? No. Where there's that, Oh yeah, we it's, had it
1: as a, an, a as a show art one time.
0: Yes, it's basically the cover I use when anybody ever goes like when a character does something out of character, and they go in a comic and they do it somewhere else. It was kind of like Superman snapping a neck in in Man of Steel, and they're like, and when people's arguments are always like, well, you know, he he killed Zod in the comic book, so it make it's okay, and I'm like. No, that just because he did it in a comic doesn't mean I don't think it's out of character there either. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, and just because it was in a comic book doesn't mean I need to see it in a movie. And I hold up the cheeseburger in Superman where he's on the cover going, I have to eat these cheeseburgers constantly or I'll die. I'm like, that's in a comic too. Doesn't necessarily mean, mean I need to see this in my Superman movie. So like, that's not a good argument.
1: I don't Sorry. know, Todd. If the plot of Man of Steel 2 was <laughs> Superman just eating cheeseburgers the whole time, I'm going to that movie.
0: Oh, Zack Snyder. I could see him, like, with a Hans Zimmer, like, orchestra over it. Oh.
1: Shot all in shadow. It's on a weird oh. version of Krypton that looks like Star Wars Episode One.
0: Oh, my God. With, like, a uh, uh, McDonald's, like, tie-in.
1: Remember when... <laughs> There was the, uh, I'm not sure if it was like Hong Kong or Thailand or whatever it was. They did a Batman burger where the bun was black.
0: Oh, tasty black burger. And we one. talked
1: about it on the show.
0: Mm. Now, we all know nothing will ever top the Thing burger with <gasps> Thing sauce. Go ahead. Oh, which is still hurting me from eating that. Right. Oh. Only like 1,800 calories.
1: There's <laughs> some movie. Just the- oh, I got to look it up now. I had it at mm-hmm. my fingertips last week.
0: hmm oh, Please, Denny's, br- bring back the Thing sauce.
1: Well, no, because obviously the Thing sauce was, you know, whatever it was. But then they had, like, if you remember the Hobbit menu, of course? Mm-hmm. There was some other... Some movie coming out this summer is going to have a Denny's tie-in.
0: Oh, boy. Is it Deadpool?
1: No. No.
0: We're going to see Deadpool 2 together like we did one, right?
1: No. Ah. The Han Solo movie. Has a Denny's tie in. (laughs) Now, it hasn't been announced yet. Uh, It says that it's happening April 3rd at a local restaurant. Mm hmm. So. That's, that's only three weeks away, Todd.
0: They're gonna have some Bantha steaks.
1: I don't know what they're gonna have, Todd. But no matter what it is, mm-hmm. we're going.
0: Alright, I will do, I will do the Han Solo, uh, meal. Hopefully they'll have solo sauce
1: mm-hmm. that I can have. Right, like I said, they haven't announced, but it was just like, uh, Lucasfilm to launch global promotion, uh, campaign in support of solo, a Star Wars story. So, uh, the companies involved, are insurance, a car insurance mm-hmm. company. General Mills, which means there's going to be some sort of s- cereal or something, right? Mm-hmm. Solo flakes. Oh, wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nissan, the car company of course.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Uh Semantic, who does like uh like online security or whatever.
0: Mhm.
1: Solo, who do these solo cops? Uh, that one I heard about, yes. Okay. Now this one has a little bit more information. <laughs> um, where it says, uh, since whatever Solo has inspired millions to host spontaneous gatherings celebrating food, fun, and family, as the creator of the iconic red Solo cup, Solo offers a wide variety of solutions for all of your party needs. Visit solocup.com dot com for party tips to help you solobrate good times.
0: Oh i'm all in solo break good times come on now
1: i did save one uh yeah I did. oh so i mentioned denny's of course and there's no information in regards to there um let me see let me go to com.
0: oh they'll have the solo menu
1: not a sponsor
0: moons over Tatooine. that doesn't sound like my hammy but no
1: No, they do, they do have anthropomorphized breakfast items, calling oh, them good. the Slams.
0: Oh, uh, good. They're,
1: they're America's favorite, favorite breakfast sweethearts. Oh, good. <laughs> but I'm marking on my virtual calendar here today, Todd. April 3rd, there's some sort of Han Solo promotion going on at Denny's. And even though the last time that I ate at Denny's which I think was about six years ago, I got violently ill. We are going to go to Denny's. I'm not sure if it's going to be in conjunction with the Solo film or as its own separate entity, and we're going to order items from the Han Solo menu.
0: (laughs) That's our thing. If they put out a food that's tied to a a comic book-related movie, I'll eat it. That's my motto. Now, was it when you got sick, was that when we went to the Fantastic Four?
1: No, so it's been since.
0: Oh, okay. It's been um, since, because I was gonna say I won't blame the Denny's food, I'm gonna blame the movie if
1: that's okay. what happened. <laughs>
0: I'm blaming the I'm blaming the version of Doctor Doom they put on the screen made you ill.
1: So I have to show this to Todd. This ties into uh After Dark next week. We're like mm-hmm. in the future. I'm writing on the envelope. Right. Solo Solo Denny's hmm april 3rd
0: oh is that you're gonna what are you gonna do mail that to me
1: no i wrote that on the back of the envelope that's my reminder to myself
0: oh that's special i got you see i didn't see the other side because I, I we're good we're good
1: all right i don't want you to think i'm pulling a fast one on you todd
0: oh you are a fast puller
1: this envelope is going to pay off on next weeks after dark and a, and three weeks from now
0: wow lots of who knows the things we have coming up in the future.
1: Can you tell it's a light week on news? Last bit of news is while it's been about three weeks since Marvel has announced something that's coming out in the month of June, DC has announced another book that's coming out in the month of June, and it is a Plastic Man miniseries written by Gail Simone with art by Adriana Malo, uh, who did stuff on Birds of Prey and Rose and Thorn with Gail Simone way back in the early aughts. Now, uh, again, it's gonna be a mini-series, uh, looks like it's gonna be in the little bit more of a darker nature, uh, kind of like a PG-13 quote-unquote book, but I remember, I know I said at the beginning of the sh- uh, show here that this book seems to be in the works for a long time, but I remember at the very least about 10 years ago that, uh, Gail Simone and, uh, some other artist, I don't know if it was Kyle Baker or someone else had discussed I know Kyle Baker ended up doing a solo Plastic Man book, but I know Gail Simone and someone else had talked about a Plastic Man book and Mm -hmm. she even says in the interview announcing this that the the books, like, the six issues are done her scripts are done, they're just waiting for the art and I feel that this is one of those deals where uh, this is something that she's been sitting on for a while and they've just been waiting for it to be greenlit Right.
0: And um, I guess it has nothing to do with the terrific, so...
1: Right. Obviously, it's going to be separate from that. And then, of course, they ask her in the interview, since this book is already done, scripts are done, does that mean there's going to be more? And obviously, uh, if the book does well, I'm sure they'll do more.
0: I think that's how capitalism works, Joe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's Gail Simone. I'm glad she's getting uh, back on some more high profile stuff. Um, you know, she's got the Domino book coming out from Marvel next month. Uh, she's got the, uh, Wonder Woman Tarzan book coming out. Or no, Red Sonya Tarzan book. My apologies. Red Sonya yes. Tarzan. And then of course now this Plastic Man book. So, yay, Gail Simone back in the thick of things.
0: Did you say Domino too? Yes. Okay, I'm sorry, because went, you went so fast, you, you went right over my head.
1: Right, I'm the Flash, but not really. That's right.
0: You pulled another fast one on me, supposed to.
1: Always, always. So, uh, conventions this weekend. Uh, there's a couple conventions going on. I have to mention this one up front. They're calling it, Todd, the Dyersburg Comic and Pop Culture Convention mm-hmm. in Dyersburg, Tennessee. And I looked at the guest list, and the only names that I recognized were Jake the Snake Roberts and Doug <laughs> Gilbert. So I think it's less comics and pop culture and more professional wrestling. I only recognize one of those names. Right. Uh, The snake. Jake the snake, right. No, not even Jake, just uh, the snake. Just the snake.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, There's the Permian Basin Comic Con in Midland, Texas. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And all I know about Midland, Texas is that's where you can get some fine quality propane products. (laughs) I get that reference. There you go. Uh, But the big convention this week is uh, the North Carolina Comic Con in Oak City, North Carolina. A uh, good mix of comic book folks and meteor guests.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, comic book side, of course, uh, Kevin Eastman's gonna be there, Adam Hughes is gonna be there, uh, both Louise and Walt Simonson are gonna be there, uh, Art, uh, Art Balthazar and Franco are gonna be there, and then on the celebrity guest side, Buster Douglas is gonna be there. Oh, is he the guy who had his ear bitten off? That's correct, and he also had a Sega Genesis game.
0: Oh, I the fancy gentleman got a signed Mike Tyson Punch Out print.
1: Ooh, that's pretty nifty. And,
0: and it had like, you know, Mike Tyson like doing the like a picture of him and it had the Mario ref uh the the referee and I was like, "Oh, like he got that signed." And I thought he got it signed by Mario and I was much more <laughs> impressed than I was when I found out it was just Mike Tyson.
1: Aww. I wish I could remember the name off the top of my head of the guy who does the voice of Mario. But Mario But he's usually one of those guys that whenever I see his name show up on a convention list, I always like to mention it. But no, I always like to mention like a weird like oh like oh John Cus- John Cusack's on the convention circuit now. Like this could be like the one off for Buster Douglas, or this could be like the beginning of Buster Douglas's lucrative career of being the next Lou Ferrigno.
0: Oh, I would totally Bust out some money for Busta.
1: <laughs> Riddick Bow is the one I want.
0: Oh, bonos knows. There's only one Bow I want a picture with, and that's, that's Bo Dallas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you zigged when I thought you were going to zag. <laughs> that's right. So the links to those uh, conventions, of course, will be in the show notes, along with the links to the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named network.com. Uh where any any of these shows under our umbrella of podcasts come out or they remind me that they're on some other show, I, tw- I put it up on the website, put it up on the Tumblr, it tweets out a thing, it's a whole system that's running kinda sorta well. Um you know, sometimes some days better than others. Uh anytime I show up on another show, Todd shows up on another show. Anytime Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Podvocacy, Profane Argument, Puzzle Warriors three Everlasting Minute, all the shows under the soon-to-be-named network umbrella come out. You can find them soon to be com, soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com. I do the best network readout of everybody. You do. Uh, but also over in the show notes is a bunch of digital sales and freebies. Now, the freebies have not changed, but again, I always like to keep that list there as evergreen just to make sure that, you know, you want st- to stick your toe into the uh, digital... Uh, World, there's a bunch of free stuff that's always kind of standing there for you. Uh, there's a bunch of sales going on. Caliber, the comic publisher Caliber, is having a sale on stuff. Uh, IDW is having a sale on Women's History Month-related stuff. Boom Studio is having a stuff related to Lucas Strand, whoever that is. Uh, Dynamite is having a sale on Green Hornet stuff. Dark Horse is having a sale on Tomb Raider stuff. Marvel's having a sale on Wolverine stuff. DC is having a sale on Deathstroke stuff. And uh, when I was at the comic book shop this past week, a day late, thank you, Snow, uh, mm-hmm. I actually th- talked to a basis and resident Evil Dead historian about <laughs> that space goat company, uh, about how the Evil Dead and the uh, Army of Darkness books can exist from multiple publishers. Right. Uh, it was a fascinating conversation that you would have hated.
0: No, it would have been interesting because it was comic related.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But then you get into that Evil Dead and that 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 terrible actor.
1: Stop Eddie it, Campbell. Stop it.
0: The Bruce or whatever his name is. I was
1: say Ted Raimi is not a terrible actor.
0: Ted Raimi was Ted Raimi. Sam Raimi.
1: Sam Raimi's the director. Ted is his brother. Who he puts in every single one of his movies.
0: Oh, is he the guy who was uh, Joxer in Xena? And he
1: was Joxer in Xena as well. Great actor. He's probably the only talent in any of those.
0: (laughs) He's the Clint
1: Howard of the Ramey family. Hey, Clint Howard's amazing. Write down. I may have told you this story before, but write down Sam Ramey.
0: Sam Ramey. I got to find my pen, but go ahead.
1: I can't tell this story on air because it'll stooge off uh, some confidential information.
0: Oh, PayPal me, people. (laughs)
1: Okay. Okay but the big sale that I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, is Marvel is having a sale on a bunch of their collections, and when I say a bunch of their collections, they say it's recent collections, but it's a real weird mix of stuff, man. Um, there's a bunch of Star Wars stuff, okay, that's great, there's a bunch of, like, the newer books, it's pretty much any collection that's come out in the last six months, but then there's, like, Hey, remember that Wolverine Black Cat miniseries, Claws? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. No, I don't.
1: Right. That's in here. Hey, remember that Ultimate Wolverine Captain America miniseries that our good friend Tom Durenick did the art in? Oh, I
0: remember that in his shaded style. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: So that's in that collection. Right. Like, hey, remember when Spider-Man had an identity crisis and he had four different personas to try to throw people off his scent? (laughs)
0: yep i remember that
1: yep only joe remembers that that's part of the sale so it's like a bunch of like weird things like that but also like a bunch of new stuff right and all these trades and collections and whatever it is are 99 cents each right Now, the two things that I need to mention about this is um, it just says for a limited time only. So get them while they're hot. I don't know when this sale is going to be over. And I'd hate for you to say I'm going to go a little bit later. I'm going to go a little bit later. And then all of a sudden, Mr. T's not at the mall anymore. But (laughs) you could get the first two trades, like epic collections, quote unquote, of Walt Simonson's store. 99 cents (laughs) each. You can get the entire run of Mark Wade and Andy Kubert's Kazar run for 99 cents.
0: The Kazar run that made Jim Starlin write a whole mini series that there was a bunch of fake Thanos clones out there because there's no way K
1: uh, Kazar would ever beat Thanos. Oh but. Did you know that story? No, I did not. That's, uh, that's very, uh, cause I, I, every, there's the famous story of John Byrne writing the stories about Doctor Doom and there being Doombots because, uh, Doom would never let Arcade light a match on the actual Doom and mm-hmm. had to be a Doombot. And then yes, Peter that- David wrote a, uh, a Hulk story where it was just the Hulk beating the crap out of Doctor Octopus for 22 pages because in an Eric Larson Spider-Man story, Eric uh, Eric Larson wrote that Dr. Octopus got the better of the Hulk.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I never heard this yeah. Jim Starlin Thanos one.
0: Yes, there was basically. Jim Starlin was like, oh, like. Because he went away from Thanos for a while. He had a bit of a falling out with Marvel. What? And I want to. Yes, and he's back again having his fallout with Marvel. And. Wait a minute. It was. That was the. This was the first time he had a falling out, and then there was the second time, and now we're on his third. Okay. Okay. But that's neither here nor there. But basically, it was like stuff like Thanos getting beat by Kazar, and Thanos was in this book. Because this was before Thanos blew up like he is now. Up to that point, really the only people who had written Thanos was pretty much Jim Starlin. So he was in that book, and he got beat by Kazar, and he was in a couple other books. But he came back, and he wrote a book where Thanos was like, You know what? I've been, you know, he was when he was a farmer for a little while after uh, Infinity Gauntlet. And he was like, I'm just going to sit around and I did these experiments and they got away and all the times that you see he went around and ended up killing them all and everything but that was all the to explain all the Thanos that he didn't like that was his story. Oh so there boy.
1: You go. That's some pe- that's that's uh epic pettiness.
0: Not pettiness, it's, it's you know cleaning up the the flotsam and the jetsam,
1: I guess. Uh but of all these trades and everything's 99 cents, the crown jewel of this todd is the entire Tom King run on Vision. Mhm. 99 cents. And it's the it's the version that came out in the hardcover about a month ago that has all the director's cut stuff in there.
2: Right. right?
1: So you get that whole thing, 12 issues plus the director's cut of maybe one of the best Marvel stories in the last 10 years for 99 cents.
0: Right. Um, as a matter of fact, I found out about all this from Josh. Josh te- texted me the other day, and he's like, I got the Vision. I got this. I got that. I got the infamous Iron Man run. I can't wait to read that. I'm like, you got some good books, real cheap.
1: Right, but I can't stress enough that Vision run, you know, that's, that is a run in a book – That people tweet me about in the middle of the night. People direct (laughs) message me about how much they enjoy that book. It's unbelievable. And if you've been worried about taking a risk on it, you know, as much as we've talked about Tom King stuff on here, as we're about to talk about some Tom Tom King Batman shortly, take the chance. It's 99 cents, man. I don't know. Seems like a big
0: risk.
1: Seems like a big risk. 99
0: cents for 12 issues?
1: I don't know. I, I picked le- I picked more than 99 cents of rusted pennies off the floor of my car today.
0: Oh, that your kid were throwing at the cup? That's right. I know your kid and his penny throwing weights.
1: That's right. So, go get Vision number one. Or go get Vision uh, the entire run for 99 cents. And then come back and finish the episode. Or pause us, go do that, read it, and then listen to the rest of the episode.
0: I'm fine with whatever you do.
1: All right, let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. I'm going to let you kick things off since I've talked for a whole bunch here with the fix number 11.
0: Written by Nick Spencer, art by Steve Lieber. Uh, last we we left them, it was Mac who was on the case of – I can't remember the, the character's name. He was chasing him for the setup that they had, and it does not go as well as you would think, and I have to give uh, – Nick Spencer and Steve Lieber credit because literally, uh, Mac gets, can I say, you think I should say it, Joe? Uh,
1: let me see. Um, no. Okay.
0: (laughs) See, that's why I'm kind of like, I'm not sure how to, uh, to place this basically, uh, someone gets the better of Mac and it's the repercussions that everybody has to deal with it, and how each person, you know, deal is is handling the situation. And once again, it's it's really good because, like you know, uh, I love this book. Uh, Nick Spencer does does a great job writing it, and Lieber does a great job drawing it. And I have to admit, uh, you know, it, it's a it's a good book, but like I said. With other things, there was such a hiatus that I feel, I felt a little, like if this book had come off the heels a month later of issue 10, I think it would be a bigger deal. But I think Fix is getting lost in the lateness of of it. And I think that's what hurts it. If that, I don't know if that makes any sense.
1: I, I agree. Um, this is definitely one of those stories. It's a really good Nick Spencer book. Um, you know, it's, we, we talked about it, I guess, when this first came out. Um that this is kinda like um you know the dirty version of Superior Foes. Right. And I think the delays are really hurting the book, just to kind of give you an idea. While it was only three months between issue ten and eleven, it was seven months in between issues nine and ten. That's a big gap. That's a big gap. For a book like this that really needs that serialization where you're like, I forget this character's name and, oh, you know, this, that, the other thing where I really at this point, while I am enjoying the book, I can't recommend you jumping on this book at this point because there is no real good jumping on point for this book. Right. Um, It's still really good. If you've been with it this long, it's great. Um, It's a shock. I wouldn't even say middle, but it's a shock, like, page four reveal. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of zany stuff in there. Even one of the things that's on the back cover of the book that was shocking to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh yeah, like I said, it's a good book. If you've been with it, of course, stick with it. We'll always do our best to try to remind you when it's coming out because of the infrequency in which it comes out. But the other thing about this is it certainly feels as though we're in the home stretch of this book. Really? You think so? You know, I know there's two more issues solicited after this, but I can't imagine it going much more beyond that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For better or for okay. worse. Fair enough. But it's still a good book. I still enjoy it. Uh, I do recommend checking it out, but like I said, uh, you know... Just keep your eyes peeled from when it might be coming out.
2: hmm
1: So, the other book that we're going to talk about this week, and I know we didn't... I, I don't know if we We didn't talk about the first issue of this little story arc here. Um, but this Batman number 42, written by Tom King, with art by Mikkel Janine. Uh, so, this is the second part of a story called Everyone Loves Ivy. Big Poison Ivy story... Uh Bat- Batman and Catwoman are trying to b- bring down Poison Ivy, who has essentially taken over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, this issue gives you the how and the why. And it's more so of the way that Batman figures it out, but more so in a way of this is such an ingenious idea, and I'm not going to spoil it, it's such an ingenious idea, I'm surprised no one has ever thought of this before. Mm-hmm. Shocked that no one has ever thought of this before. Because <laughs> um, obviously, you know, and, th- and that's the thing is, in today's day and age, when a story has been done already, or even something similar, it immediately gets, bl- you get blasted on Twitter, like just a few issues ago, or social media, or whatever it is. When Tom King did the Batman, uh... Wonder Woman stuff that was very similar to a Joe Kelly Superman Wonder Woman story from like 15 years ago. Everyone was like, Oh, it was a ripoff of this story. No one, I don't, I haven't seen anyone coming out saying like, well, actually they did this in XYZ issue of Batman back in 1970, whatever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I give them, I give Tom King yet more praise for coming up with this simple yet ingenious idea of how Poison Ivy was essentially able to take over the world.
0: Mm -hmm. My favorite parts about the way Tom King writes it is that he always finds a way to get Batman over on Superman, but then always goes like, well, it's only because of this. It'll never happen again.
1: (laughs) Right, and that's the thing. And Batman even tells whoever he's with, you the reader, that he would never be able to do this if it wasn't for these... three or four or five things lining up perfectly Mm -hmm. for me to get the jump on Superman. So it's a good way to kind of uh, put Batman over Superman, but keep Superman looking strong in the process. (laughs) Yes.
0: Even I get that reference. There
1: you go. Uh, But yeah, this book is great, you know? And even though this is like a part two of a story arc, I think even if you grab this issue, they... Catch you up to speed, man. Real good.
0: Okay, now I have a quick question about Batman. That's gonna be a segue into our next thing. Uh oh. Um so which uh cover are you going to get? Are you gonna get the Batman cover for like the 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 prequel wedding issue, or are you getting the Catwoman issue, or are you getting both?
1: Hmm. Is there a third option of like a third like is there a third cover that maybe has both of them on it? or is it just I, like here's a bat here's the 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 batman one or the catwoman one
0: i think like you know how the dc comics come out mm-hmm. where they have the cover and the variant cover it, it, that's like you could order as many as you want those are going to be your two choices as is the batman covers all the time
1: i'm do you, do you know what? i'm leaning to the batman one
0: right i'm leaning to getting them both just cuz i like them both so much i don't buy double covers on stuff often Right. Um, but then if I do, does it, uh, what I'm looking forward to most and, uh, putting it towards our totals and stuff like that, do I have to count that as, uh, double purchase or is it one purchase?
1: It's double purchase.
0: Double purchase. Okay.
1: Absolutely.
0: Just making sure. I just wanted to know.
1: Right. Uh, so, right. So if and when you do that, Todd, uh, mm-hmm. That will count toward the tally of the pull post. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the pull post. Which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. However it is that you get your books, print, digital, trade, oversized hardcover, shipped to your home, picking them up at the store, fighting the snow, hoping the store doesn't close early even though there's no snow out there. However you get your books, be forewarned and be forearmed. Uh, so the two things that Todd and I are doing, uh, 2018, one, as we always do, showing the books that we're purchasing this week, attempting to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week, and then two, uh, we're doing the dollar amount of how much that we've spent. Now, Uh, Obviously, as Todd had tweeted out the other day, the second Casey Jones mask purchase was not part of his weekly comic book store ordering, so that does not count, in his dollar tally, but he is still ahead of me, and uh, with Omnibuy and buying two of the same book, Pasha, is coming up. I don't see me closing that gap anytime soon.
0: The Casey Jones mask second one? courtesy of Toys R Us, which may or may not be open as we record, as you you listen to this uh, episode.
1: I've driven by the, the one locally here twice since this past Friday, and I don't see any giant signs that said closing forever or anything like that, so I think we're okay for now. Fair enough. I do have to stock my eBay store somehow, I don't know. Okay. So, uh, I started the show, so let's look at Todd's list. I'm going to guess what he's looking forward to most coming out this week is Marvel 2 and one number 4.
0: It is Marvel 2 and one number 4.
1: Bingo bango, sugar in the gas tank.
0: I have a quick question for you really quick. I know What's-His-Face is leaving Doctor Strange. This isn't the issue, right? No. Okay, so is the book you're looking forward to most, Miracle, Mr. Miracle number seven?
1: It is Mr. Miracle number seven. Okay. Uh, after the revelation in last issue of Mr. Miracle, uh, I'm very <laughs> intrigued to see where things go from here.
0: Mr. Miracle. You heard me. I did hear Mr. Miracle faces. That's the team up I want.
1: Oh, there you go. Where's the in- intercompany amalgam? Where it's not Marvel and DC, it's just we take random DC properties and mash them up together.
0: Oh, DC Amalgams, that's what I want. (laughs)
1: Amalgams. (laughs) Look at the Amalgams on that comic. What's the, who was the guy who could go between the two worlds? Well, uh. was his name, Access maybe? Yeah, it was
0: Access. Yeah. Cause yes. he had Joe. Joe, this is why they call him access. Cause he had access to both the Marvel and the DC universe.
1: <laughs> hey, Todd, ask me my dad's birthday. When's your dad's birthday? I don't know, but I remember access.
0: <laughs> I wish I had access to my father's birthday. Oh
1: my goodness! Oh my goodness! <laughs> Uh, so yes, no movement on the, uh, scale there. I'm still in the lead with two correct guesses. Um, I'll be reading Marvel 2 and 1, of course, as well. So we'll be discussing both of those books, uh, and here we have next week. we to discuss
0: week. how, you, how you spell Marvel 2 and 1. That's just not right.
1: What do you mean? With the there's hyphens? a two.
0: There's a two in the, in the, there's the number two. Nah, I don't the,
1: like it that way. I like it my way.
0: Hey, I open up the book and in the back. There's that, like, hey, like, you know, this is the issue, and this is the number, and, like, this is where it's published. There's all the information and a little tiny lettering, and it says Marvel 2, number 2 in 1.
1: That's all I'm saying. All right. I like my way better. Right. And I, like, uh, I didn't get a chance to change it, but I, ha- I put it as, uh you know, the Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern Corps book. I just have it as Hal and the GLC abbreviated, so it doesn't take up so much room on the spreadsheet.
0: Right. Well, you stop doing that to mine because you just wiped away a book away once on a right on a pool list. So I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how to send things because things change. If, as much as you hate change, I'll look and the pool post will change. So I don't know what I'm doing
1: anymore. Right. Never change it again. Right. So while you're over at LongBoxHeroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done on the internet. It all exists there. I'm proud of the things that I've done on the internet, Todd. I don't hide the things or pay other people. To hide the things that I've done on the internet. Okay. I defy you to find something that I'm ashamed of. <laughs> I've done on the internet because I put it all on the website. Right. You, on the other hand, that's a different kettle of fish.
0: Oh, I've got lots of shame on the internet.
1: So, while you're also over there, be sure to check our little store button. Uh, where you can purchase a shirt or sticker with our fancy logo on it. And next week, Todd... Is the yes. big announcement of the latest, I'm not going to say greatest, piece of merchandise that we're going to have to offer to you. If you are a fan of Longbox Heroes, the podcast, and you want to show off your fandom, we're going to give you another way that people have been clamoring for, I guess you could say. I don't know. I may have said I... too much already.
0: I can't wait to find out what this is. I wish I was in the loop. Oh,
1: my goodness. <laughs> it's just me and the writer, the guy who writes all those uh, cornball jokes jokes at the front of the show.
0: What? Cornball jokes. They're amazing jokes.
1: Right. Uh, but if you can't wait until next week or you don't want a shirt or a sticker, you would always buy something from Amazon. But when you do, be sure to click our little uh, Amazon click-through at the top of the page. It's like an advertising fee is what they say. We need a couple pennies. Nickels and pennies, nickels and pennies, as Gene Simmons would say, uh, every purchase, and all those nickels and pennies add up at the end of the month. Uh, some of the notable purchases uh, this past week through the uh, old Amazon click-through is someone purchased an, uh, an Amazon Fire tablet with built-in Alexa capabilities. Uh, someone also purchased a Pokeman uh, lunchbox. And I know we've discussed this on the show before. I don't like these newfangled lunchbox that are like these canvas insulated jobs. Mm,
0: no, I want metal that you could club a kid with. That's right. Hurt
1: him. Uh, someone also purchased uh, Frozen Anna's tiara. Ooh. And I don't think Anna herself is frozen. I think it's the, the movie Frozen. The character mm-hmm. is Anna and you're purchasing her tiara.
0: I don't know, I've bought in frozen people before.
1: Right. Uh, someone purchased high-gloss behavior stickers with green, yellow, and red faces. Obviously, Ugh. green is good, yellow is middle, and red is angry.
0: All stickers are red.
1: No. Nope. And this one I always like to read when it's a big, giant, long description. That's a bunch of gibberish. Someone also purchased 12 sequin headbands you pick. Available in lots of colors. <laughs> both both lots and colors are in bold. And capital. Elastic stretch sparkly fashion headband. For teen girls. Women's softball pack volleyball basketball dance set sport team store. And this purchase wow. purchased 12 gold ones. They chose gold. So I think this is Stan Malibu's daughter who purchased these.
0: Uh, super fun time headbands.
1: <laughs> Do not taunt super fun time headbands. <laughs> so, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week?
0: Yes, we do. It did. Uh, Jesse DeJong sent in a Mutant X page with Havoc and the Thing having some downtime by Mike Miller. Um, which i i don't know if this was like a di- i don't remember mutant X so i'm trying to think is that a different ver like a different world's version of the thing uh,
1: yes uh havoc our havoc was whisked away to an alternate dimension okay. where it was just like different x-men storylines all continued like Wolverine or Wolverine storm was still a vampire Madeline Pryor was still Jean Grey and, like, that sort of stuff. Okay. So it was, like, a whole bunch of different, like, threads of X-Men stories that had resolutions where everything was resumed back to its status quo. In the Mutant X universe, they didn't. And Our Havoc went to that world. He's like, I remember when Storm was a vampire, but she got better. Not in this world she didn't.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: Yes. I think it was a a Howard Mackey written story, so, you know.
0: Right, I don't remember it. That wasn't my era of... Uh, if it's not Peter David doing X-Factor, I don't read X-Men. Um, and also we got from Tony, the Disney dad. Um, he got a commission uh, f- that him and his son got from... Oh, it jumped on me. From the 2016 New York Comic uh, Con, uh, from Rust creator Royden Lep of the Rocketeer, who I love the Rocketeer. That's one of my like I'm still a sucker for that old Rocket Disney Rocketeer movie and I met Dave Stevens years and years ago at San Diego when I went to uh the creator of Rocketeer and I went to him and I was afraid to ask him for a sketch because it was the early days of me doing a sketchbook and I didn't ask him and he passed away short short time after that and I'm kicking myself. He may not have done it, but if you don't ask, you don't get. There's like, you know, if you don't play the lottery, Joe, I didn't play the Dave Stevens lottery and I didn't win. <laughs> Either that's way, a that's, nice
1: piece. you missed out. That is a really nice piece. The Rocketeer looks super cool there.
0: Yep. So, yep. And there are no others. I scrolled back, Joe. There was nothing else.
1: Oh, Todd. Now, I do have to say this.
0: What did I do wrong now?
1: No, not you. Uh, our good friend Euronymous mm-hmm. did tweet one to us, but he did not tag anyone. Right. Um, So it is a tweet for a doodle from Matt Kint and Brian Hurt's book poppy. And again, it's a deer who is farting the signature of Matt Kent.
0: As always, that's good stuff.
1: Right. Uh, and again, I, I, I kid, I kid Euronymous cause I love, um, so the book is actually Poppy and the Lost Lagoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tweet is a little jumbled, but, uh, uh, Euronymous is a good guy. I like him a lot. He always forgets to tag you in it. So I got to track his stuff down.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. If it doesn't have the, the at name and, or the, what's it? The, you know, art attack thing. I kind of lose it. So. Right.
1: Uh, so, again, thanks to everyone who contributed. Make sure you just tag uh, Todd's Art Attack in there all together as one word, and uh, we'll make sure to share your cool art that you've either had commissioned, that you've purchased, pages, stuff that you've done yourself, and we'll share it with the world, because that's the sort of guys we are.
0: We are sharers.
1: Right. Let's dip into the mailbag real quick before we get into some TV talk. Um We got an email the other day uh, from listener of the show, Brad, and I'm going to read his email here. Uh, your show continues to be one of the most enjoyable podcasts of my week, and after looking at the latest poll post, I have a question. Are there books that either of you get regularly that you never get around to talking about on the show? I saw Suicide Squad in there and realized it doesn't come up like most of the other books. So I was wondering. Thank uh thank you for what you do, Brad. So Brad, thank you very much for emailing us and of course uh you could tweet at us some sort of question. Uh you could email us at longboxheroes at gmail dot com and of course You know, we'll talk about it here on the show. And it's actually something that's come up before, where Todd and I do cross over on a lot of stuff. There are stuff that we don't cross over. As you had mentioned, Suicide Squad for you this week. Um, You're not getting Doctor Strange. And I know one of the big ones is, like, Spider-Man. Like, I get Amazing Spider-Man. Todd doesn't, for the most part. Mm -hmm. So usually, when it's the show, we try to talk about stuff that we both read. So we Mm -hmm. can have the conversation, the Discord, you know, about it. Um, unless it's something that we individually read and we feel very strongly about mm-hmm. talking about. And that's how something like a su- an issue of Suicide Squad will come up on the show. Or an issue of Amazing Spider-Man will come up on the show. Um, you know, I could have talked about Amazing Spider-Man this week. Uh, it was a really good issue. Um, it's going back to the basics of things. Um, it's kind of really going into the full tilt of the Norman Osborn kind of wrapping up that storyline, wrapping up Dan Slott stuff. It was a different artist that I've seen on Stuff, and I really like the art a lot. Um, and it's doing its best to kind of reestablish Peter Parker as not Iron Man, I guess, as Todd likes to rib me about. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, it was really good. But Todd didn't read it, so it would just mean like, so much of the show is just me talking into a vacuum, or Todd just talking into a vacuum. I'd like to have the back and forth, so that's why we try to choose books that we both read.
0: Right, and I sometimes, like, with Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad's a book that I'm a sucker for the premise every time. I just love that premise of the villains with bombs in their heads have to do good, you know, to take some time off their sentence, whatever. So I love that, and pretty much since the Ostrander run in the 80s, I've picked up every run except the second half of that garbage New 52 run that I just had to stop paying for. Um, But the book is okay, um, like Joe said, it's, it's, it's okay, but I love the premise, so that keeps me going. It's a book that, you know, is, is running on fumes a lot of the times, or is really, is only kind of okay. And I'm like, eh, it's not worth talking about. Then there's books like Descender that I love. I love Descender. But in the, whatever issue we're on, I love Jeff Lemire. I love, uh, Dustin Nguyen. There's no jumping on point. There's like, so me talking about it at issue 27. Kind of hurts it, and it's like, oh well, uh, there's no new place for you to get. So I I don't know. And then there, you know, that's kind of the way I look at the books. It's like Joe said, if we're on the same page, we both get it. If it's an individual book, it has to be really good. Like there, I have these this weird equation as to a book that I'm going to talk about if uh, that appears on my pull posts or pull list month in
1: month out. Brad, I hope that answers your question. And I look forward to getting more questions from other listeners of the show next week. And you can also leave a comment in the post of the show. Right. Uh that's another way for us to get the uh questions. Now, Todd, I'm gonna make an executive decision here since uh again I'm not watching the clock, but I could feel the show running long. Right. Uh we're gonna skip Jessica Jones' talk for this week.
0: I was thinking that way maybe we'll get the whole thing done by next week.
1: Fingers crossed.
0: Right, Uh, I'm just
1: saying. Right, I've seen seven of the episodes, Todd's seen eight of the episodes, Um, hopefully we'll be able to kind of wrap the whole thing up next week.
0: I think that's a fair session, and I'm not looking at the clock, oh my god!
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, let's get into Flash Talk from last week, Um, episode entitled, entitled, Enter Flash Time. Uh, as we've established, since Barry has come out of the void where he was at the beginning of the season, he now has the power to slow time down, one, by moving so fast, but also, two, by touching someone and kind of bringing them into whatever the speed that he has is.
0: Right. He As the power I remember from the comic is the ability to lend speed to non-speedsters.
1: Right. And a lot of this has already been spoiled, I think. I think there was some publicity photos that came out. and I thought it was going to happen in this episode uh, where someone on the show who doesn't currently have speed powers is going to get speed powers. And I thought this was going to be the episode where it happens. It was not. Uh, but what happens in this episode is there is a nuclear bomb that gets detonated by some new terrorist organization that's not HYDRA. Hmm. And... Barry has to use the speed, you know, he has eight minutes, essentially. It's too late to defuse it or whatever it is, and he has to figure out a way to stop this. And while in Flash time, he goes up to every different member of Team Flash and asks them for a way to help figure out the the way to do it. Uh, and it isn't until the end when Iris gives him the idea of reminding him of how they got him out of that void that he was in. And uh, Bob's your uncle, that's how they defuse the bomb. What did you think of this and, episode?
0: And the void he was in was actually the Speed Force. The but, Speed Force.
1: Uh, right. Um, right um, they, really were gonna, they were going to throw the bomb in the Speed Force, they were going to find an isolated world, and all of these ideas all get shot down.
0: Um I actually kind of, I really enjoyed the episode in that it's the whole, like, the whole thing of of Barry fighting the speed. He's like, I'm getting tired. I'm slowing down. There was a lot of sweaty people in this episode. That was the one thing that really jumped out at me was the sweat from Jesse quick. Uh, this, the golden age flash, Jay Garrick and Barry. Uh, but I liked it cause it was like, he's, he's not going to give up. He's going to get help from this person. They don't know he's going to get help from this person and he just won't stop. Um, and anytime, uh, Jay shows up, I, 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 I lose my stuff. I'm like, just, he, uh, John Wesley Shipp as the Jay Garrick in that costume. I'm like, I love it. Every time that helmet, I, that's my next prop. Anytime they do the prop of that helmet, I will be all over that, maybe by two to up my, my money on, on the pull post. But I, I liked it. And I really liked the whole Jesse Quick, um, Wells interaction that he's, w- he becomes more human. Why he's so angry. We get to find out about that. He lost his wife and you know, he, he might, that might've made him the more crotchety person that he is. Um, so I, I actually really
1: enjoyed this episode. I like this episode. However, we've discussed many times on this show that so many of these shows that are on your network TV, even the Netflix shows, it's like, well, Netflix has to be 13 episodes. If your story doesn't fill thirteen episodes, figure it out. Mm-hmm. Season has to be twenty-two episodes. You don't fill out twenty-two episodes, figure it out. While there were things that were happened and there were character bits, this episode felt as though it could have been from any season.
0: I will definitely give you that. That doesn't tie into the overarching arc, except for like just mentioning Devo and right. one or two. They times. mentioned
1: Devo. There's character bits, of course, that add a little bit more. But I think even if this episode did not exist, there were character bits that you could have tied up or added to other episodes. Like how when Killer Frost is in Killer Frost, she always wants to make sure that Caitlin's okay. Right. And that gets back to Caitlin. Now Caitlin's wondering why, because she never remembers anything when she turns into Killer Frost. Why does she remember this? So everyone's getting a little bit to do with your A and your B and your C stories. But obviously the main thing is, is like... He, uh, honestly, though, I was, I don't want to say that I was hoping, but I was thinking that maybe because it was so weird that whenever Barry would pull someone into the flash time lending them their speed, they Mm -hmm. wouldn't be able to use their powers. And I was thinking that this was maybe going to be an elaborate trap that was set up by DeVoe.
0: I get what you're saying, but in the end, like, some people couldn't use, like, uh, 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 uh. Vibe right. couldn't use his powers, so
1: right. Caitlin couldn't use her powers.
0: No, Caitlin could use her powers, but it was, I think it was because I always thought it was that she's like he's like you want me to try and cool down a nuke that's exploding, and it just didn't work. She didn't have enough juice to do it. That's the way I took her hat. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure how all that works. The one thing that I would have liked to see, though, is when I remember uh, as being a flash fan, is when Barry would do that, cause he could add speed to speedsters and it would be okay. It'd be like, all right, I'll make you almost as fast as me. Cause he was the fastest man alive is, but when he would do it to somebody who didn't have speed, they were a mess afterwards. Uh, it, they'd be like, it was like running a marathon. You know what I mean? Like, cause they were moving at super speed and their muscles aren't like ready for it. And I always thought that was a cool, like limitation, but in the end they just did the limitation of like, Oh, I'm, I'm getting tired. I can't like, you know what I mean? So it changed it up. But I like the whole, like, Oh my God, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a wreck like when I work out and run a marathon, just like I do. I, that's how I feel.
1: Right. When you do a, uh, a marathon. Right. Binge watching TV shows. Oh, Okay. Again, a good episode, but I guess I, I feel right now in the grand scheme of things, a just kind of like filler episode, right? The B and C parts of
0: it were more important than the A part, right? Because that'll come back later to have repercussions with characters, but the uh, the overall A plot, I just unless it works out in a Devos plan somehow, you never know.
1: Yes. So.
0: Does, would i take a guess and say it's it's officially wig o'clock
1: joe oh todd the hands on the clock are spinning too slow because <laughs> i can't wait to watch legends of tomorrow tonight <laughs> Yes, turn the lights off because i'm ashamed no i'm kidding of course so Do we
0: have to pay for this song but anyway go. no it's okay i, I
1: i'm i'm auto-tuning myself or i have no rhythm <laughs> So uh this was Legend of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh as we teased last week, the legends travel back to nineteen fifty-four Memphis to save rock and roll, and little do we know the uh the neck the missing totem, the death totem, is in the hilt of the cursed guitar that a young Elvis Presley, who really sings all of his songs in this episode for <laughs> real. Buys, right. buys from a pawn shop. Now, no granted, that's of... the B plot of this episode. The A plot of this episode is <laughs> Heatwave steals a sandwich <laughs> from Elvis's mom. And has
0: has to come to terms with Axel or Josh Groban. Uh,
1: now, I, I, I will say this. Uh, I'm with um, Heatwave. I don't know who Josh Groban is. Uh, and I'll, refi- I, and I'll, I will not sit oddly by while you tell me who he is.
0: I'm just, I'm guessing he's a singer because, you know. Right. That's all, that's
1: all, I, that's all I got on Josh Groban. Oh boy. So, uh, what did you think of this episode?
0: Like I said last week, I pomp adored this episode. <laughs> Because, uh, first of all, you get Elvis singing actual songs. Right. Second of all, real um, Elvis. I, right, you get real Elvis. You get, you, you I, I don't know. Like I said, it was a fun, dumb little episode, um, where it's the whole thing of something's going to disappear. It's an anomaly. And it's funny because it's rock and roll. And they play up so, like, they make, Elvis so like cool that he can do everything, and I found that amusing. I love uh, Steal's like take on it. He's just enamored with uh, w- with Elvis and everything he's done. He's trying to explain to Maya what rock and roll is, and she just she just doesn't get it. Um, it was it was a it was a fun episode, and like I said, the best part about it was the Axel bits. Um, with, with actually, uh, Heatwave trying to go like he doesn't like change. I think I was like, I was, it was like I was watching Joe. <laughs> like he's just, a, he hates change. And, and the legends just keep changing and poor Axel's gone. And then we hit the end. And I don't know if you watched it right to the end. They had the little memorial for Axel. Yeah. I was like, that's fantastic. So it was, a, it was a fun episode. And I'm interested in the death totem mm-hmm. if we're going to see the vertigo version at some point. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
1: Highly unlikely. I doubt it. Yeah. What? So, this to me, well, again, a fun episode, you know, kind of hokey, and like, sure. here's the stuff, it's like, oh, we're all time-displaced people, I have this high ideal of blank in my head, now I have to convince this other person on the team that that of my beliefs, right, you mm-hmm. know, and it just so happens that wherever our mission takes us, somebody on the team is a big fan of whatever it is, Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's very, it's a little formulaic, um, this also felt like a little bit of a filler episode, even though you introduced the death totem and everything as the mm-hmm. final mystery totem, but this was the one where it's like, oh, it's probably because the Darks are after this, they're so after it they don't show up in this episode, and I went and talked to John Constantine about this, off camera of course, about what we need to do about the death totem it was like we mentioned everyone who's in the cast and integral players to everything that's going on but they're not actually in the episodes that's
0: right then you got to pay the actors right you don't, you don't need that um the thing the one thing that i did like about it too was like is that they they explain how annoying speedsters can be because right. he's like oh i did it i got it i did this and they're like you got to slow down son sometimes you can not you can't be a a hammer in time you have to be a scalpel so he can't he can't just you know oh i got cuz the speedster changes all aspects like you could just basically do everything within the blink of an eye and you don't have to worry about anything. so i want to see how they're going to handle that in the team dynamic now I'm and just, oh, go and ahead. he has a new uh, he has a new hairstyle i think i'm not 100% sure
1: of course uh now you mentioned hairstyles, of course, Todd, and it is wiggle Clock, <laughs> as we're talking about Legend of Tomorrow. <laughs> Todd, are you ready for mm-hmm. one of my patented Joe nitpicks about this episode?
0: Oh, you have a patented Joe nitpick? You, you, go ahead. Only if after you're done, I can say one of the things that I popped for. And
1: that's okay. It. Go ahead. So, there's weird things that get in my head about... Sh- Everything, right? Mm -hmm. And it's stuff that nobody else cares about. And for all intents and purposes, I shouldn't care about it either. But they all go back to, the in this instance, they all go back to the 50s, right? And they make sure everyone has period clothing on. Mm -hmm. And all the women make sure that they have period appropriate hairstyles.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So they don't stand out. You know what stands out in the 50s, Todd? What? A giant hulk of a man with a bald head. The bald head, shaved head look was unsightly, frowned upon, and stuck out like a sore thumb up until like the 70s. Like, if you were a guy with a shaved head in the 40s, like, I'm not talking, like, the Johnny Unitas crew cut that you can set your watch to. <laughs> I'm not talking about, like, a military-grade haircut or whatever it is. I'm talking shaved to the bone, bare skin. You showed up somewhere in the 50s, the 40s, the 60s even, with a hairstyle like that, and, like, alarms were going off. You They were just like, there's something wrong with this guy. Take him away.
0: You could just always say... I fell off a horse and hit my head and all my hair fell out. Which, by that. the way, was what happened to my childhood doctor. Really? Yes. Dr. Brundage, my childhood doctor, who, you know, I, I had him until he, he retired. Um, he was bald and he was smooth as a baby's bottom of his head. And he said, he's like, yes, it was a weird thing. Um, he was very open about. it. I was like, "Oh, you're you're bald." Now, like we talked about this, this is the '70s, late '70s, early '80s, and I was like, "It's weird, like that." It, you're completely isn't it bald.
1: It's Weird for guys to just have no hair.
0: No hair, and he was like, "I'll be honest with you, son. Fell off a horse. My head hit a rock, and for some reason, all my hair fell out, and it never grew back. <laughs> so, it does happen. It sticks out, but there, there, there were bald people in the past, Joe."
1: It happens, but th- I will say this. While there were bald people in the past, mm-hmm. it's kind of conspicuous, but everybody in your crew is wearing appropriate hair and dress of the times, except for one guy who has a giant dome of baldness. What show are we watching, Todd? Let's slap a wig on him.
0: Well, we could have slapped what are we a doing, wig on Todd. Him? Could we have put a tiny hat on him, maybe?
1: Tie two wigs together and glue <laughs> it to his head. I don't care what you got to do. Let's get more wigs on people.
0: I agree. I agree. Now, I was fascinated. I was just—I I totally lost my mind when they were being yelled at by the priest, and the priest yells, "Get behind me, Satan!" And uh, Steel just goes, "Great white uh, white stripes album," or it would have been, <laughs> like, or it was, or whatever, because it gets wiped out from rock and roll. I'm like, "All right, best episode ever."
1: Good episode. I'm easy. Right, I'm easy. Good episode. Go All the tropes were hit. Uh, only only ranks about a four point five on the wig scale, wig and tiny hat scale.
0: So I guess uh, is wig o'clock over?
1: Well, before we do, I don't want to give too much away about next week's episode, but the title of the episode, Todd, is Necromancing the Stone. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> That is a great name. Right, and that's the thing. They have great names, and like one week a great name, and then the following week is like a bland name. It's like, we're going to fight a tree is the one episode, and then yes. the other one is like some sort of wacky pun, you know? It's like, who's picking these show titles? It's like it's like when one person starts the show on odd-numbered weeks and other person starts the show on even-numbered weeks, it has a completely different feel to the show.
0: Oh my god, I think I know what you're saying. That you should do all the openings for a show from here on out?
1: Absolutely. Why not? Okay. No, I like to mix it up.
0: I do like to mix it up. I like to have that down show every other
1: week. Right. (sighs) All right, everybody. So, is there anything else that we need to discuss?
0: Nope. We said we're pushing Jessica Jones off to next week, so we're good.
1: All right, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to episode 389 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe. Saying we'll see you all here next week.
0: Remember, be a faucet, not a drain.
1: Woo!